You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. From the AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. This is AfterBuzz TV for Season 7, Episode 14 of Desperate Housewives. Tonight's host is Derek Shore. Joining Derek will be AfterBuzz's co-hosts, Sarah Stratton and Roxy Stryer. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest Desperate Housewives news and gossip. We want to hear from you, too. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 347-855-8269. That's 347-855-8269. And now, picking up where the show leaves off, and the buzz continues, Derek Shore! Right, so it's been many, many weeks since we have seen our favorite television show, Desperate Housewives, on the air. We finally got a chance to watch the most recent episode. And, uh, you know, it really seemed like an episode full of bombshells. I know when the show first came on the air many years ago, it was sort of described as uh, a primetime soap opera. And I've got to say this last episode of all of them in recent memory really sort of felt like a soap opera. We seem to learn so much about so many characters. Um, there was a bombshell literally all over the place. Gabby... Who, uh, who was in therapy for the loss of her daughter and, uh, and later on perhaps revealing a dark secret from her past we're hearing about for the first time. Lynette, who is dealing with sort of a nightmare stepfather, Frank. We've got Susan, who uh, continues her dialysis treatments, and after being told she may not have a kidney for three to four years, we find that she may have a donor. And Bree, this drama continues with her boyfriend, Keith. Bree's been keeping the secret from him that he has a long-lost son he's unaware of. And then, of course, we have Paul Young, who is back on Wisteria Lane with his son, Zach. Although, we seem to have learned another deep, dark secret that perhaps um, Zach's father is not Paul Young after all. So why don't we start off, guys, uh, talking about Lynette. Um, and speaking of guys, I just wanted to say thanks, Rich, for leaving me out of this. That's only because the girls <laughs> wanted only one guy on the show, but I decided to join up anyway and join in on this conversation and, tonight. And he sounded very excited when he said our names tonight. I was waiting to hear him say yours, but it just never happened. I know. You know, Roxy. I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm ready to go right now. Well, Philip, I personally am very glad you're here tonight. Because I'm glad you're here, too. I didn't want to be outnumbered by the ladies. A perfect so. Valentine's Day couples. I know. I know. It's perfect. Aww. Actually, I do want to say when we got to the studio tonight, it was so sweet. We had these little <laughs> Valentine's Day gift bags, and I so appreciate that. I know you girls were happy about that as well. Very excited. It's the only Valentine's Day present I'll be getting, so... I'm very appreciative of the chocolate. You can get any guy to give you a Valentine's Day present. I don't know about that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of Valentine's, um, Lynette, um, her mother, married this guy, Frank. We learned in the last episode they walked down the aisle, and the mom sort of uh, confessed to Lynette that the reason why she was marrying this guy, who was kind of a jerk, um, was for his money. 
So let's talk a little bit about that because uh, he seemed in this episode to be doing the same same sort of game. He's difficult. He's this crotchety old man, and um, and they all have decided that they're just going to stick it out and hope that they make it into his will. So I don't know if I would have done the same thing. I, I mean, immediately Sarah turns and goes, "Oh, I would have let him sit on the couch." Yeah, for sure. And I was sitting there thinking, "You disgusting girl," but millions of dollars. That's a big deal. That's a life-changing thing. I think I would have let him rot on the couch for 24 hours. See, here's <laughs> the thing, though. I mean, any trained coroner is going to know that this guy has been dead for a long time. Yeah, but they said, you know, he went to go downstairs. It was late at night when he did die. They said he went to go downstairs. We all went to sleep. I don't think they're going to get caught. So I think maybe they'll hours. get questioned. But I don't know if they're going to get caught. I don't know. It stresses me out a little bit to think about, like, a dead person sitting on your couch, but at the same time, I mean, maybe worth it. I'd do it for a million dollars. Exactly. Are you kidding me? And it was Millions. Good. More than one million. Millions. I don't think they're <laughs> going to get caught on the show, but I think, I mean, as they were talking about it, as Lynette and the, the mom are in the kitchen, and uh, before it's revealed, like, let's wait to, to, um, to call the police, there's just that moment, the, the, uh, the will takes effect tomorrow. What train, you know, that's got to send red flags to the police. Huge, huge. The <laughs> new wife who happens to get these millions of dollars and suddenly the guy turns up dead. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I know it's not going to come back to haunt them there, but, like, realistically, come on. I think you'd get a problem with it if, like, the other wives, like, made a big deal. But at this the point, other I don't, well, the other ones are jealous. But at this point, I don't think they're really going to care too much. Like, the coroner's not going to investigate this. 88-year-old man's death on the couch. You know, I, I think I changed my mind. I think they are going to investigate. I think Phyllis, who we saw earlier, the woman whose necklace was taken from her, the second wife, I believe, I think she's going to put up a little fit about this, and we're going to see a battle between the old ladies and who's going to get the money, for sure. She'll become a featured uh, character on the show. Phyllis! <laughs> so the, the thing is, though, this show is really good about foreshadowing, and I know that... Some of these moments, I mean, even during commercial breaks, we're looking at each other like, are you kidding me? It's so predictable sometimes what is coming up. I think a bit of predictability is kind of nice mm -hmm. because you want to feel like you know a little something. And there was that moment where Lynette was talking to Tom and saying, hey, now, honey, money changes people. And mm -hmm. I mean, Lynette is always that grounded voice in this show of all the women on the line. She's always the strong one who's saying, hey, no, we're going to – even when her mom was saying, no, don't call the coroner, don't call the police – um, this is millions of dollars. You notice that Lynette picks up the phone for the second time and just starts dialing the number without even consulting her mom. So I think they've established her as this strong character who's going to do, you know, whatever she wants. But I do think I wouldn't be surprised if next week we find out that this whole, you know, the fur coat thing, the little blue box from Tiffany, all of the shopping bags, if somehow it's a little too good to be true. Well, I think to speak to that, you mentioned how it was foreshadowing the whole money changes people. You kind of saw at the end that her mom was kind of changing. I mean, there was a hint of blackmail of if you don't be good kids to me, then I'm going to go to your sister. It's already changing her. So I think that's going to come forward more, too. And even her, her sons, they all said, oh, I want this laptop computer. I want a motorcycle, whatever it was. You know, kids, if they, if they get too greedy and they get whatever they want, they're going to expect that. And Tom said he wanted the Bentley. And exactly. And no matter how much money you have, it eventually runs out. Money well, runs out. Goes places, you know. It does. And I think uh, I'm just going to amend that saying. I think 
money changes people who don't work hard for it. Right. You know, if you really honestly, um, you know, work your whole life and gain that money through that hard work instead of being lucky, in this case, pretty much winning the lottery, then it's not going to change you that much. Things that fall into your lap generally aren't a good thing. You You don't think they had to work hard by hiding the dead body in the house? Yeah, and by putting up with all his insults. Jeez, that was hard work. Come on, hard work. <laughs> See, and the thing is, you sort of root for him to die. The funny thing about a character like that is typically you'd be kind of sad, but we're all just kind of waiting for him to die, right? Even the entire family, they're like, oh, well, there's a dead guy on our couch. It wasn't like, oh, poor, poor woman, her husband. It was funny. Funny scene. As an actor, though, you... Oh. Oh, this is our special money noise. Catch money. <laughs> I'm actually not thanks, sure what Make that means. <laughs> there we go. Um, the I I would say as an actor, if you were if you were playing that character, I would be pissed if that was my death scene. Like, what the hell? You're dead in two <laughs> seconds. You don't like. There's no blood. There's no violent strangulation. No broken dishes. You just kind of close your eyes. There's a cutaway, <laughs> and then you cut back to you, and you're dead on the couch. Well, which is why the moment where he's picking up the couch is so important for him as an actor to to sort of. I mean, we all knew at that point we're like, all right, Protective. he's gonna die. He had to work to make his that. face like that—the red face. What intense <laughs> acting that was! And we'll wait till nominations come out for next year and see uh, how he does in the Emmys. <laughs> all right, you guys want to move on? Talk about Susan and her dialysis. I'm done with Are Frank. Done with, done done with Frank, Frank and Lynette. Sure. Okay, let's yeah. talk about the dialysis. So happy go lucky, Susan. Always the nice girl in school. Um, <laughs> meets a guy in the hospital who sells pharmaceuticals who apparently um, we very quickly realized that he had a little thing for her in high school. Um, and again, it kills me how this guy's character arc was just sort of – he appears in one episode. We, his whole character arc sort of takes place, and by the end of the episode, it's like you've seen a whole movie all in one. So let's talk about this guy. What ha- Sarah, what did you think when this guy walked up? Oh, my gosh. I knew from the minute he walked in, I thought he was a creep. I just knew. He just scared me. He was like this little bug of a man who I was just nervous about. And, of course, Susan's naive and doesn't even understand that he's like, I predicted that he was going to give her a kidney. I knew in the back of my head. He walked in. He found out she needed a kidney. And he was already thinking, oh, she can have mine. I'm going to get this tested. You didn't think he was going to hold a grudge about the Facebook request? Oh, the 12 Facebook requests? 12 Facebook requests. If he held the grudge and then walked away... It would have sort of been like, what's Pointless. the whole point? Oh, like, no, no, of course. I mean, yeah. if, you're, if you're sending 12, I feel like you're not going to ever hold a grudge against the person. It's just going to keep going. You know what scene, though, I really appreciated with him? Where I know this is very cheesy and corny, whatever. <laughs> but when she showed the photograph and said, look at this picture. There's no room in this picture for you. Yeah. You know, it was very visual. And he got it. I feel like there's so many ways she could have gone about that conversation and he would have been like, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh, I get it. I still want to give you my kidney because I still think you're going to end up in love with me. But she very clearly stated it and said, but I still need this kidney. Will you still do this for me? And he said no. And I thought he was going to say, yeah, I'll still do this for you. And I was thinking, mm, that's crap. But he didn't. And that was good. I thought that was good that they didn't take the easy way out there for sure. I agree. I really did like that, and I like how she handled it. It was a very mature move for Susan's character, actually right. kind of standing up for the truth and not trying to weasel, weasel her way. Yeah, her character was really strong in that moment. I'm just not sure if I really buy the idea that a stalker is going to walk away, listen, 
listen to your 30-second speech and close the door and say, okay, I guess I'll move out of the apartment I just rented right next door to you. Do you think he's coming back? Well, uh, no, I don't think he's coming back. I just think it, it was sort of like a lot to pack into this one episode where this stalker from the past appears. She thinks she's going to have to wait three to four years for a kidney. Then suddenly, all is well. Praise Jesus. We have a kidney. And I then it goes had, away. Right. I wish we had seen him. You know, I, I wish he had been in other episodes for the past couple weeks, maybe stalking her a little bit. There's all of a sudden this guy that we've never heard of pops up, happens to be working at this hospital that she goes for dialysis to. And, and then before he even consults her, is signing papers to give his kidney. Yeah, I mean, it was a little out of the blue, for sure. Sarah, Roxy, did you have stalkers in high school? <laughs> I, could, I, had, I had one real stalker. That was, it wasn't, it was kind of bad. It started in middle school, and we just went to different high schools. And he somehow found my address after I moved and found my new phone number for my house, of my new house, after we now went to different schools wow. and I moved. But he wasn't taking pictures of you through the fence. I hope not. <laughs> uh, I had one of those. I had one of those. His name was Dan. Um, not Dan Dan. Da- different Dan. And Dan Dan. Dan Dan. Dan, <laughs> Dan was his last name. No. Dan. That is quite an unfortunate name. I turned to name. Sarah because I knew she was going to think that I was talking about one of my ex-boyfriends' name is Dan. So not that Dan. Different Dan. And different. I understood. I understood. Different Roxy. Dan was on the lacrosse team that I used to manage for in high school. And... Different, that sounds like an awful job for you. Different. <laughs> All those sweaty boys. You know what? Did you hand them towels in the locker room? Come I on. Took what does stats, that mean? Okay, I, I got my varsity letter for that. The coach loved me. Anyway, <laughs> I, so different. I bet he did. Different Dan would. Um, <laughs> this is very embarrassing. Would uh, park outside my house and call me whenever I would walk from my room into the bathroom, and. And proceed to tell me what I was wearing. Awesome. Different, different Dan. Dan would uh, say, hold up a mount of fingers. <laughs> and I would, and Dan would say, three, two, five. However many I was holding. Dan would, Dan would. Yes, okay, thank Dan you for that sound effect, Jesse. Because follow the whole, me to school. You're not, if he calls you and is telling you your every move, you hang up. Oh, I, oh, I did. I did. Dan would sit in my lawn. Dan would knock on my door. Everybody knew Dan was stalking me. Okay, the good news is... How did is... your parents, like, not kill him? Because, I don't know, it only lasted for about a week. Because that's a long time for that to last, you know? Until one day, I just approached him and was like, Dan, you, you gotta stop. This is really, really uncomfortable for me. He asked me to prom. I said no. Uh, he, he was friendly with my brother, so he would kind of use my brother and call him and be like, I'm coming over. And my brother would be like, I'm not home. And he'd be like, okay, I'll wait for you in your room. Well, I hope you still have his phone number because one day if you need a kidney, you got to call this guy. Damn. Absolutely. I hope he's a match. Yeah. Um, so let's let's wrap up Susan soon. But, but you know what? Even though she may have to wait three to four years for a kidney, first of all, Desperate Housewives is not going to be on the air that long. So I really hope it wraps up sooner than that in terms of her whole dialysis saga mm-hmm. because you can only create so many stories about her getting dialysis, you know. Here she is, getting hooked up to the machine. So Three times a week. So even up. though it didn't work out in this episode, I have a feeling the next couple episodes she's going to be running marathons. Although, we did see the tease where she collapsed and Vanessa Williams yep. yells we call 911. See, I'm thinking the opposite is happening. I'm thinking she's going to, it's going to go Ooh. down, downhill. 
for well, Miss Susan. It's Killer hard for off. them to tell because we'll talk about this later uh, when we do our news and gossip. But since they don't know how much longer the show's going, they, how can they tell where she's going to go yet? Excellent. Point. You know, so I, I don't know. I think that they're kind of leading us to a place where they could branch off either way, for sure. But you know, it was really weird because we watched Susan collapse in the preview, and all I was thinking about was. Remember a couple episodes when there was that big rally and yeah. riot and she collapsed? Right. Did oh. they just use the exact same clip? Well, that was the that was the whole beginning of the kidney drama and the right. Right, right. And well, she she was wearing different clothing. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and not only that, she collapsed the week after in the hospital. Susan is a frail, soul. frail woman. Let's just face the facts. She's Poor a nice Susan. girl, but she's weak. She goes from stripper to dialysis. So, uh, so Melrose is not really losing much there. She's too weak, right? That's his name. What was Menrow? Men, Mel- oh, Monroe. Mon- yeah, Monroe. Monroe. That Which was, is such like, a no. perfect name for that character, by the way. Either that or like Larry. <laughs> yeah, Larry, Larry. Larry. He could have been a Frank too, maybe. No, nah, Frank is more man. I feel like no, Frank's, Frank's mean. the stepfather. Yeah, uh, I know. That's right. Yeah, Frank. Maybe they were just the two characters I didn't like on the show, but hopefully they're both gone, so I won't have to worry about that. Well, I well, don't one think of them Frank is. is coming back, unless you see him in a casket. But I don't, I don't think they're going to go that. Maybe he'll still be alive. That will be the twist. He's still alive, and nobody gets the money. <laughs> He's so, going to haunt their house. So in the meantime, um, you know, these this episode I would say was one of the most fractured in terms of each character seems to be going through their own crisis but kind of on their own you know in past episodes we're so accustomed to seeing the girls sipping champagne or having tea on someone's front porch that's very iconic of wisteria lane for these women to all hang out in this episode they were sort of you know on their own dealing with their own families in their own relationships and brie for you know the season has been dealing with this new boyfriend keith brian austin green babe oh my god total babe (laughs) You should have all heard these girls during the commercial breaks. Well, why do you think he's married to Megan Fox? He's so <laughs> sexy. Oh, oh my. He's, he's all right. I mean, whatever. Are you going to tweet him to be your Valentine or no? Do you think he'd say yes? <laughs> Not Kidding. A- Megan Fox, you are absolutely beautiful. You can have him. You guys will have incredible looking kids. That is so nice of you to tell Megan she can have him. That <laughs> she is, needed my permission. She you know is going to be so touched, Roxy. Whatever. I don't need him. <laughs> You'll find someone better than him. But anyway, so um, the last few episodes, I know it's been a while, as we mentioned at the top of our show, since Desperate Housewives has been on the air. So as a quick recap, Bree's been dating this young guy, right? He also has a deep, dark secret, but his character is unaware of that. And the secret is that he has this son. And a few episodes ago, maybe it was even the last one. It's been so long since this show's been around. It's been the last one. So Amber, who is uh, Keith's ex ended up getting pregnant, having a baby seven years ago, and Brie essentially paid her off to, mm-hmm. you know, to go away and lied to Amber saying that Keith didn't want anything to do with his son. So, um, so Philip, I mean, did you, was this another one of those predictable moments for you, or how did you see this all play out today with the whole pizza, pizza club? Um, it was... It was in some ways predictable, but I like the symbolism of it all. It, I thought it was very deep, you know, with the... Philip, oh my gosh. Yeah, laugh it up. I didn't even know you knew the word symbolism. That's so impressive. I do all our smart shows. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm, I'm totally I'm just teasing. Making, I've never heard anybody call him Philip. 
That's oh. what I'm saying. Oh, well, you know, this is a formal show. Oh, right, right. This is a very formal show. Why do you if think we I'm wearing Jersey this Shore, suit? Jersey Shore, he's definitely Phil or Phil, Phil, Phil the, the Thrill. thrill. What, is, what is your full name? Roxandra? Roxanne. Roxanne. Wait, is it really? I always thought it was actually Roxanne. No, Roxanne. Roxandra would be beautiful, though. <laughs> I mean, that is a lovely name. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I liked, because we, we were introduced to the sort of pizza and, and it, with him eating it, um... With Keith coming home with it, and then eventually that's why he finds Bree as he's driving by, and he calls her a hypocrite. And uh, they have that nice—I mean, right away there was that close-up shot where um, the Charlie, the young son, he did change, and Keith hands it over, and there's that tight shot of the hands, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. touching. So very, very touching. See, I think Bree's character Literally. is so interesting because she is. Uh, I mean, obviously the most uptight of all the women on the lane, right? I remember reading an interview with her um, just talking about how difficult it was to play this role because she always had to be so rigid and so perfect and her clothes had to be perfect and her hair. And I think she does this character so phenomenally well. And even, you know, we see in this opening scene in the kitchen when she's with Keith and he's trying to give her a bite of pizza and she's like, ew, I don't eat that. And, uh... And what's funny is that even though she's like this proper woman and we see her make these decisions and, you know, after these moral dilemmas, she paid Amber to go away. She lied to Keith Mm -hmm. to sort of keep her selfish little relationship together. But it's so nice to see her character, like you were saying, Phil, the the close-up on the hands. You see that moment in Bree's eyes where she knows that she's got to do the right thing. Well, more than anything, I think that her character is concerned with her image. And we see that all the time. You know, in earlier seasons, we would see her go run into the bathroom and lock herself in and cry in the bathroom, wipe her tears, and come back outside exactly. and serve dinner. So I think that uh, preserving her, her relationship with Keith, especially to the outside world and making everybody see her perfect little life, was very important to her. But at the same time, like you're saying, she's this incredibly moral human being, and you know, you can see it in her eyes, that she has to do the right thing. Once she sees them together, once she sees them touch, she knows. And that's why I love her character so much, because I think that she is adapting, she's changing. And when you see, even in the beginning when he's going to eat pizza and he tries to give her a bite and said she kind of dodges and goes in to kiss him. That's something that we would not have seen from Brie before. She's very proper and everything needs to be done perfectly. And I, I think that she's growing always and it's okay to make mistakes. And she realizes that it's better to correct it now than five years down the line have not told him and have his son be almost an adult and have him not know who he is, you know? See, but at the same time, I can't agree with you because I can't praise her for this because I think she was completely wrong in the first place. Well, of course. I mean, she's done – she says it finally. It's not like the first opportunity. She had so many opportunities. It's like I don't understand how she didn't feel guilty before. So we're all praising Brie for like, oh, she's making moral decisions. But she doesn't make them near the right time. She like goes down the wrong path for a while and then it's like, oh – Maybe I should correct it. Oh, there we go. I agree. I don't think I'm praising her. I'm just talking about how I think her character is a great one because she's forever changing. And she may be very rigid and she may care about the outside appearance, but she's a good person. And it might take her a little while, but she's a good person. Well, you know, I think one thing that really makes her relatable, and I can't can't say this from the perspective of a housewife who lives someplace in the Midwest, 
But I would imagine that for many women who are having issues with their children or having issues in their in their marriage and maybe divorced, whatever, we've seen an evolution in Bree's character from being the caretaker for her children and worried about them and their issues to having her own business to taking care of Orson when he was constantly in the wheelchair. With this new boyfriend, Keith, it's been kind of refreshing to see. And Sarah, this sort of speaks to a little bit what you were saying. This is one of the first times we've really seen her be selfish for herself. She's lied in the past and she's done things, you know, like lying about her son um, driving the car that killed was it Carlos's mother, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. And she's always been that protective mother. But this, I believe, is the first time we've really see her, seen her be selfish when it comes to her own relationship. She wants to date a young, hot guy. She wants to have sex with him. She wants to sort of reinvent herself and, and maybe find herself a passion that maybe she lost a long time ago in her youth. So I kind of like seeing her falter and make yeah because i can like i don't fault for her her for it because she was doing it for her own pleasure for once and i kind of i think that's kind of cool i guess i guess i'm just like i i feel so bad for keith and like his unknowingness that's been going on for this past week and him still falling for her and seeing just the best in her when you hate her hiding it it from her. her I'm not happy. Like, I'm finally happy that she said something. If you're Keith, finally. If you're Keith, do you forgive her? Oh, I see Jesse saying saying no. Jesse, you want to chime in on this? You don't. You don't forgive. I mean, that that's really a child, and you're paying somebody off. That's she doesn't know that yet, or he doesn't know that yet. Rather, well, no, he doesn't know it. But that's definitely. I'm saying when it comes out, that no one needs to know. Well, then she's lying (laughs) on top of another lie. That's too many lies. Okay. You just got to be able to keep him straight. We've discussed this many times on this show. Oh, Phil, you're the worst with this. <laughs> uh, uh, Derek, have you heard this? Have you heard his whole I'm going to lie to save my own ass speech a million times? No, I have All not. Right, Phil, summarize a little bit. Well, we, What's the deal with lying? Sometimes it's best to uh, – people want to be told lies many times, so I feel why break that? Why give them the horrible truth? Sometimes just go with the lie. I think if you run into someone in the grocery store and they're like, hey, how are you? I would rather – hear a lie out of their mouth if it means avoiding a 20-minute conversation about how horrible their day was. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So no. I do think that there are appropriate times to In that case, lie. but uh, the, cheating on somebody, they want to hear a lie. Phil's just convinced. This is the divide between me and Phil. We've had this argument like eight times. Oh, are well, you two dating? No. <laughs> I'm totally yes. kidding. I'm totally kidding. The thing is, for all of you that, listeners out there, you can't see. They, they've they been holding hands throughout this whole show. I even saw their foot so touch under the table. The, like, luckily, well, here's, the th- here, here's the thing I learned about uh, on the Jersey Shore, actually, is that, you know. Oh, my. Yeah, well, hold on. Hold on. Here's the thing I learned on the Jersey Shore. Of this course. Is a, val- be... a valid statement. You don't watch if you're saying that. You know what? Here at After Buzz, the Jersey Shore is like the Bible. I it am is. listening to you, Phil. That is all such right. a setup. I've got it. Like, I'm all ears. I can't well, wait to hear what you you're know, going to th- say. This is a matter of respect, lying, you know, whether it's respectful to lie or not lie. And in, uh, in last week's Jersey Shore, we learned that it's more respectful to cheat on a girl behind her back. And so <laughs> in this case... Just lie. It's no, okay. No, it's not. I can't hold my tongue in this. No, it's not. Yeah. How is that humanly And when possible? she wakes up with some sort of, I don't know, gonorrhea, syphilis, that, I mean, she's going to find out. She's going to find out. Those are the better out. ones. When it's herpes, you're screwed. I'm yeah. just saying, Bree should lie. <laughs> and you know what? If if the money issue comes out, you know, just be like, 
oh, I was just only, you know, I was just helping her pay for the bills. I, I, I didn't tell her to go away. I, you know, I thought she was trying to steal the sun. Yeah, right. What a horrible woman. That makes it so much better, Phil. Oh, Amber gosh. is a horrible woman. She kept the sun away for you for seven years. Now she's back and she got cold feet. And, you know, I tried to help her out with some money so she could stay and show, show the sun to you. But she was a bitch. The cast of After Buzz is about to duke it out. I think I think we can't talk about Bree and Keith right now. It's yeah. too intense for us. <laughs> I think we're going to need to move on maybe to Gabby. Let's talk about Gabby for a minute before we get a commercial break in here. Um, Gabby... Uh, I don't know. I sort of had an issue with this, not the last episode from from last night, but from like a month ago when Gabby had become obsessed with these dolls. You sort of saw where this was headed. And Did um, you know Sarah is obsessed with dolls? Oh. Sarah relates. No. Who was it? You were. Yeah. Sarah is children's therapy. Sarah thinks that using dolls in therapy is brilliant. Oh. I do. I think that doll using in therapy is brilliant. Yes, I've seen that before with with young children, like in kindergarten. Like, hey, tell me where the man touched you. Like, what was it? <laughs> like, it's sort of, you know, you hold up the Barbies and you I sort of. I appreciated that Mentos play. and water bottle demonstration you gave us. <laughs> yeah, my dolls here in the studio are Mentos and, <laughs> and water. Um, no, but seriously, because then the child is able to talk about themselves in right. third person without it getting. See, there is okay. a psychological use. I think Gabby took it too far. I already yeah. claimed that she went crazy. But I'm not completely against dolls, although I think that China dolls are frightening. You know what we should do for her therapy now, now that we know that she's been sexually abused, we should pull out the dolls and ask her where her stepfather touched her and use the doll. Is that is that where this is going? I think she's a grown up now, so I think that might not be necessary. I don't, I I don't know. I can't. <laughs> I can't tell who's being facetious and who's actually being legitimate about using dolls in therapy. Okay, well, back to the story. I mean, so we saw a month ago. We saw her out driving in her fancy car with Carlos, and a man carjacks them. Essentially, pulls out a, a pistol, holds it in her, or her face, and is like, "I'm going to blow your head off." But she has to try to get the doll out of the seatbelt, out of the back seat before the car. I mean, it's. It, I, I watched that episode and was like, you've got to be kidding me. Come on. Like, she's faced with life and death, and this is the way she's finally. It was a little much for me. I don't mm-hmm. know. Am, am I alone in this? No, I, I get what you're saying, but I thought that it was the only kind of way that they could go about it because otherwise, where was this going to go? You know, when was the doll usage going to become a big enough problem that she actually had to get put in therapy? Which eventually leads to this storyline, which I think is really smart that they're going with because we see a lot of times recent past things will come out you know uh, this person slept with that person whatever but i think that going back to her childhood is something the show doesn't do that often and i really can appreciate this storyline because i think it is realistic and this is a problem that a lot of adult women have faced you know and this is also a problem that it's not new to wisteria lane remember a few seasons ago that mysterious neighbor moved in next door and he was a child molester. Do you right. remember that? He had, like, the train set in his house. And right. It's a little creepy there. Very creepy. But but I do think it's a subject they haven't touched upon in a while, especially looking at a strong female character and where these problems are coming from that she's now having. You know, these, these problems can be legitimized through looking at her past. Well, it definitely continues with the theme of a bombshell for every single character right. in this episode because I didn't see that coming. And, uh, you know, it's a lot to pack into one episode. It's a lot to keep straight. But let's take a commercial break. Jesse, are we cool with that? And then when we come back on the other side of the break, let's talk about Paul Young and this uh, this sort of mysterious relationship that Susan's husband, Mike, has with Paul's uh, son, or we think Paul's son, Zach.
Want to find out what the after buzz is about? Janice is a drama queen. This yeah. is the divide that is going to carry the series. Give us a call at 347-855-8269. This television, and they want it to be as dramatic as possible. I mean, it's Shakespearean. You never know what goes on behind closed doors. Get in on the after buzz. 347-855-8269. Now, in the eyes of Jimmy, Nucky is a villain. Listen on iTunes. I mean, who would you guys rather hear that from? Find us on Facebook. Your husband or your best friend. Follow us on Twitter. And then she's trying to kill him, so it justifies it. I'm like, oh, now it makes sense. And visit us at AfterBuzzTV.com. <laughs> the wig! The wig no, will come off. That wig come off, baby. No, Boardwalk Empire. Desperate Housewives. Glee. Gossip Girl. Breaking Bad. Mad Men. True Blood. The Walking Dead. Big Love. Jersey Shore. The Oscars. Celebrity Rehab. The Emmys. If, if it's, it's hot, hot, you can bet we'll be buzzing about it. All right, welcome back to this lovely Valentine's Day. I know you guys think I'm probably too young to be so bitter, but the fact is, I have been kind of over this Paul Young storyline. I love Desperate Housewives. I've been a big fan since the very first season. But I've got to say, sometimes when these characters from the past come back to the lane, and it was like, what, five, six seasons ago? I do find it a bit confusing. I mean, the entire episode, I sat there saying, wait. Do I know something that I know that I don't know that I think I know? <laughs> what was funny is Ro- <laughs> we were watching the show, and Roxy kept saying about Zach's character, the, the son who comes back and is doing drugs now and apparently is the shooter of Paul Young. <laughs> Roxy kept saying, well, isn't he gay? This guy is gay. <laughs> well, because we, what? we see him in the limo with all these girls. And I was thinking, wait a second. Wasn't he the gay guy that ran away? But no, that was Bree's son, and I'm just clearly one confused puppy right now. There is a lot of gayness on the lane for sure, Uh but I'm pretty sure this kid is straight. His character is straight. The straight cocaine user. And I'm I'm glad we finally found out who shot Keith because I know you guys joked about it, but that was the big question I had for the longest time. Shot Keith. I I mean uh, Paul. That's it. I was gonna say, what happened? I closed my eyes. (laughs) When did that happen? Yes, but finally we find find out. So I'm happy. Thank you. Well, I think we kind of found that out last week, but he found out this week, and I get oh, what you're saying. I'm, every time I'm I would ask it. you who shot Paul Young, you guys would be like, oh, don't you know? And I'd be like, okay, who? And you're like, I don't know. Well, 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 you yeah. know, blah, blah, blah. Well, in any case, it's nice to see a bit of progress being made. At least we kind of see that this this is going somewhere, right? We did not see Paul Young's new wife, that blonde woman. What's her character's Beth. name? Beth. 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 That's right. We didn't see her at all this episode, uh, but we did see a lot with the son. And near the top of the episode, we saw Mike on the phone. You know, Paul Young comes by. Hey, have you seen my son? I, I know he's the one who shot me. And then suddenly we see Mike call the son. I thought it was a little weird. Like, what? He just has his number programmed into his. Like, how would he know how but to do that? But then we see kid? that they're close. Right. And then we see that he's his father. Right. Which so we... that's why he has his number, clearly. I'm the kid's father, so I have his phone number. Okay, so um, we were sort of trying to piece this together. Uh, Sarah, you had a pretty good theory about how this all works back. So You are right. I'm sure you're right. Yeah, give us okay. a recap of, you know, back when Mary Alice killed herself. Yes, this is my theory. It goes way back, so you'll have to remember a little with me. Mary Alice was Paul's wife um, before Beth, way back when he lived on Missouri Lane. And Paul and Mary Alice had a kid. But it turned out that Mary Alice had taken this kid from a teenager who didn't have the responsibility for him and whatnot 
And so what I'm thinking is that Mike was this teenager's father. So in that way, he would be Zach's biological father, and then that would have made Paul his, like, adopted father. But he wouldn't find that out till later. See, even with that explanation, I still am so confused by this whole scenario because I'm trying to go back to season one and and put the pieces back together. Because we never have really seen Paul and Mike interact, and in this episode... They were like, hey, buddy, hey, buddy. Um, Oh, I wrote down this line because I thought it was so funny. Mike says, he's your son. He's my son. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, save the drama, people. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, I think uh, to clarify a little bit. So we see that Mary Alice kills herself because she's given a note that says, I know what you did. It makes me sick. I'm going to tell. Then Mary Alice kills herself. Impressive memory, by the way. Thank you. Mary Alice kills herself. And we find out she kills herself because what this note was saying is, I know that your kid is not your kid. In fact, I know whose kid it is. And you you killed this woman when she came back looking for her child. So the woman came back looking for her child, which is Zach. And they said, no, you can't have her. They got in a fight, uh, a little battle, and she didn't mean to kill her. They didn't mean to kill her, but uh, Mary Alice and... Paul killed the woman. Now, the woman's husband or the woman's boyfriend, uh, boyfriend at the time, you're saying, is probably Mike. That's which I'm would guessing. make sense of why he would be his biological father and Paul was the person who raised him. And we see Zach say, how could you have let this devil, this evil person raise me, which would make sense in this scenario because he, even after he went back to get his son... They killed his girlfriend or whatever it was, and he didn't keep fighting for Zach, clearly. So he did let this family essentially raise him. It is a total soap opera. I mean, it's a total soap opera. Completely. It's so hard to explain that even while you're explaining it or I'm explaining it, I'm confused. I feel like I would have to watch 15 episodes to understand fully what the hell's going on. You know, I I feel like... Couldn't they have just made it a little simpler? Or couldn't they have spelled it out for us a little more, maybe? Draw us a diagram. <laughs> exactly. They need to post at the beginning of everything. This is this person's husband and wife, and this is their ex, and this is the person they killed. And this is who killed that person. I think your homework for next week's show, Roxy, should be to create a little family tree. Uh, I'm on Neighborhood it. Wisteria Lane. We'll have Jesse posted on the website. And then and when we have video, I'll can... just hold it up and we can post it here and everybody can look. And when we're talking, they can say, oh, right, right. That's what's happening here. That's right. good. I have to interject that if we did that, it would not be a tree. It would be a complete web. It would be a tumbleweed. <laughs> a garden. <laughs> I've got a garden of trees. Roxy, you should teach your own class at USC on that. On, on tree making? No. On Desperate Housewives? Yes. Oh, thank you. I think that would be very fun. I am myself not a desperate housewife, but I do know a bit about them. Yeah, you do. And hopefully one day you're not one yourself. Oh, gosh. All right. So um, you guys want to talk, um, do a little special segment here and talk about, before we get to our predictions, I know I'm new here at After Buzz. Um, Phil. After Buzz TV exclusive. Oh, I love the exclusive. You are the exclusive. I am the exclusive tonight. We, we hear a little bit of news about you that you... May or may not know Mark Cherry personally? Here's the thing. If you've lived in L.A. as long as I have, 12 years, you're bound to just, I don't know, like run into people at Whole Foods. Um, I didn't <laughs> run into him at Whole Foods. Uh, one of my good friends is a guy named Dave Cause. He plays the saxophone. 
and he was featured on an episode of Desperate Housewives a few months ago. So Dave and some of his family members and um, friends came over to to his place, and he let me know. He's like, yeah, Mark, the creator of the show, is going to be around, so um, we'll all screen together and you know have a few drinks. And to have that opportunity just to sort of sit next to someone who says, oh, yeah, you know, it, it, w- while we were shooting that scene, you never would have known, but this happened, and this was the problem. And right. It was the episode where um, – Vanessa Williams and I think Gabrielle end up fighting in the club. Do you remember that? They sort of like have this fist fight and they fall yeah. over and it's a yep. crash and they interrupt the music. Okay. And Vanessa Williams is afraid of midgets. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten about that. Gosh, this show, really, seriously. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, it was just interesting, though, to hear Mark's take on it. And Mark, of course, his history, he used to be Dixie Carter's assistant. Remember Dixie Carter who passed away last year? She was... Um, the the star of designing women. Not right. The name's ringing a bell. She she was sixty seven when she passed away last year. You would definitely recognize her. But Mark has been in Hollywood for a long time, and it must just be so satisfying to have worked so hard and then have a show like Housewives on the air. But what I thought was interesting is you know a, a, a huge hit like Desperate Housewives. Um, Mark is Roxy, as you were saying earlier, he's developed a new pilot. And it's. I think it would be kind of tough to try to top your your latest greatest hit. You know, you you always want to top what you've done before, right? And I so think that's I think a fatal flaw, though. I hope he's not trying too hard to top it because I feel like when you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing, like Desperate Housewives, so pushing the limits of being over the top every week. If he's going to keep going, it could just be like well, you have cheesy. to go in a different direction. You can't try to top it in the same type of show. I, th- I don't know what – do you have any idea what his new pilot's about? Or I don't. What? I don't. We really didn't talk about that. And he – you know, it's – after after chatting with him, I realized, you know, when he was talking about the, the future of Housewives and how long they would be on the air, there's so much that comes into play from, you know, the network and all of the actors and the, the negotiating and the contracts. I mean, you'd think when you're Mark Cherry, you can just, like, call up your actors and say, hey, could you please just – Tell your agent to make this process a little easier. Um, but it's clear, you know, these are these are huge, huge celebrities. Um, these women have become because of this show. And so I, of course, hope the show stays around for another couple seasons. Well, I think they said I know that his contract goes until 2013. We can talk about that later in gossip. But that is the maximum that it's going to go. It's the most amount of years. It would right. be nine years running and then they would stop. And that's good that they have a place where they know that they would definitely stop because otherwise you get those shows that kind of fade and fade and fade. And really, could you see this going more than two more years? No way. I mean, we've seen everything. But I really hope we get those two more years for sure. I firmly believe in the motto, leave while the party is still fun. You know, because you don't want to be like the last straggler who's drunk on your friend's self at the end. You want to leave on an upswing and, you know, while things are good. So I agree with you. Speaking you of drinking, though, so you went out for a couple drinks with him. And did did he leak any secrets to you? You know what? I was really I was really hoping he would. But I have – I guess maybe I'm like – ultra sensitive because I don't want to be that guy who's like, pry. hey, so Mark Cherry, I'm just a young dude in Hollywood. I'm sure you've got some insight. And, in- you know, I don't want to be that, <laughs> like, reporter guy because I feel like everyone you meet in L.A. is like, oh, you're Mark Cherry. You you must have. Or like, hey, here's my headshot and resume. Could I please be a guest on the right. – whatever. So I didn't want to 
Pry. Um, and he mentioned future projects. He mentioned, you know, a, a potential show that um, that he would be doing for ABC. But other than that, no, I didn't. So I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm, I'm not disappointed. I'm excited. I, I want to hear what his personality was like. Nice guy. Nice guy. Apparently, he um, he really loves Diet Coke. When he um, good to know. Good to know. know. I'm, I'm racking that up in my brain. Well, right now. so much so that he has. Mark, if you're listening, which you're probably not, um, don't kill me for saying Could this. Could be. He, he told me that he has refrigerated drawers all over his house with cans of Diet Coke. Interesting. Next to wow. the bed. That is a refrigerated truly, drawer. Truly, truly bizarre. You know what? When you have that much money, I would assume you have, I don't know, a refrigerated oh. sock drawer. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I like my socks cold. <laughs> Just like your heart. Oh, <laughs> come on, on Valentine's Day. We gotta lighten up the mood somehow. Come on, I'm, I'm kidding. Totally Mark Terry, kidding. I don't have a cold heart. I love Diet Coke too. <laughs> <laughs> here's my resume and headshot. <laughs> exactly, and here's mine too. All right, so should we move on to a bit of gossip and uh, and maybe news? some news? Well, before we get to that, I just want to tell you uh, the name of his sh- uh, show is called Hallelujah, and he claims it's a cross between Touched by an Angel and Dallas. And it's a conservative uh, version of Glee. Um, so I don't know wait, where this me? is going. <laughs> okay. Just top that. What? Dallas, Touched by an Angel, conservative Glee. And is said, this a musical? He, he says that the uh, girls from uh, Wisteria Lane helped mold his fictional town of Hallelujah, Tennessee. Um, is wow. Glee really that not conservative? Hmm. Glee is not very conservative at all. Wait, and is, is Terry Hatcher involved in this or not? Is this I, the one that I don't she know. I was is? Looking when, I, when I was looking online, I know that I saw somebody's name that was in talking with him right now. Big name. Well, we've reported on it. Mm. I don't think we've ever given the title because I don't think Hallelujah. they Hallelujah. That's makes me think. <laughs> so so yes, Susan from the show is going to be singing? What is it? Jesse says yes, she is. Oh. Susan isn't. Susan's working with him on developing the show, but um, it does say Terry Hatcher does have plans in being a part of it. Very interesting. Right. Do you guys want to know a little fun factoid? So I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. My first acting job was on the spinoff series of Touched by an Angel. <laughs> and uh, my yeah. mom would love you. <laughs> really? You've got. Let's get her on the phone. Oh, it's a little late on the East Coast, isn't it? Anyway, so I have been exposed to many angels, and unfortunately, in real life, they're just actors, my friends. Oh, I'm so really sorry sad. for your loss. I know. Thank you. <laughs> I feel lost. Enough. Gosh, I am a downer today. What is wrong with it's me? It's Valentine's Day. It does it to everybody, I'm telling you. Every Valentine's Day has been horrible. We need more candy in here. I think we no, do. That would help everyone. It helped the mood. Maybe a glass of whiskey? Whiskey. <laughs> what do you think I've been drinking Johnny this Walker. whole show? <laughs> All right, let's move on to some news and gossip. After Buzz TV News. All right, it's DJ Jesse Janity with Desperate Housewives, Season 7, Episode 14, Flashback, News and Gossip. Creator Mark Cherry hinted that the show will end in 2013. Cherry said the actresses are still in hot and heavy no- negotiations. So as of this moment, everyone is hopeful and optimistic that we'll be returning for an eighth season. But until the women have signed on, there is no guarantee. uh, Cherry later said that if the stars worked out a deal, he expects the show to run for two more seasons, which is when his contract is up. 
I think that's what about everyone would be happy with. Nine years would be a really good run. I, I was talking about that before, and I, I think that if it ends right now, they're going to have to cut a lot of these stories short, you know? Every, every, Wrap it up. Susan's going to die. <laughs> Never got that kidney. And, Sorry, people. And a bomb, the atom bomb explodes and Mysterio lands wiped out. And Yeah, they need a little more time, more than just this season for sure. All right, as long as no one else comes back and gets shot, oh my gosh, no more people getting shot by characters from four episodes ago. <laughs> Again, what is my problem? I'm so negative tonight. Sorry, Jesse. Go ahead. Continue on well, with the news. Uh, uh, speaking of negative, Tony Parker admitted he is having a hard time adjusting to his life without Eva Longoria. Now that his divorce has been finalized, he said, Like anyone else, I've learned that life is full of experiences. You learn from your mistakes and go on. He goes on to explain that he is using his sports as his coping mechanism and that the basketball court is serving as his escape. As well as all the other ladies he can probably get. Oh my god, I'm so shocked he lost the most beautiful woman in the world and he's regretting it? Wow, crazy. You know what? That's all I could think about last night. Every shot I saw of her yes. at the Grammys. Oh Did my she god. look amazing? Unbelievable. Oh Unbelievable. One of the most beautiful women We on have planet. to get uh, Courtney Stewart, who does our game edition, and she would give uh, the Tony Parker side of it. Um, so, which counters your guy's point, but anyway. I'm curious. Does she know him? I want to hear that. She doesn't know him, but basically she says that, like, listen, when you're Tony Parker, you're 20 years old, Eva Longoria, she's in her th- mid-30s, and when you're Tony and you can get all the pussy you can you, you can wa- ever want, yeah, it's a little hard. Okay, so divorce in, her. Fa- no, divorce in, her. In, in 10 years, when Tony Parker can't lift a basketball because he's broken every bone in his arm, like... Then he'll be sorry for losing the one woman who's absolutely beautiful and will last. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I agree with every bone in his body. Yeah, I don't know. Is he going to suffer some devastating? Sarah, do you plan on hitting him with your car or something? (laughs) Do we not? Basketball is not that dangerous. He might have a sprained ankle. No, but he's going to wishful thinking. I think. No. His his loss, and uh, if she's and if you're listening, Eva, I can be your Valentine. Well, Eva, Eva, on the other hand, seems to be doing just fine with her new man, Eduardo Cruz. Eduardo. The the new couple were staying on a friend's uh, luxury yacht and also spotted at the AA Arena for the Market America Convention. They were photographed showing some PDA as he wrapped his arms around her and kissed her on top of her head. You know, so Eduardo Cruz is Penelope Cruz's little brother, and he's 25, she's 35, and I saw photographs of them sharing a bottle of wine on this yacht and all these PDA pictures. A little fast. Very fast. A little fast. Less than a month of divorce, and you're already taking pictures with somebody else who's younger than you again. She's quite the cougar. And I don't <laughs> you know. You know what? I think she should go for it because, again, she was not the one who cheated in this last relationship. If it had been the other way around and Tony Parker had gone out dating someone so soon... Then it would have been like, whoa, a little fast. But I heard for her, rumors. I heard rumors that she was not faithful either completely. I did too, hmm. but I don't believe it. Where did those rumors come from? Um, someone I know works for her PR agency. Oh, we don't want to get that person in trouble. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jesse. Pick it up. All right. Well, Longoria <laughs> looked stunning as usual at the Grammys wearing an ashy dress with a Sergio Rossi clutch and Brian Atwood shoes. She got ready for the Grammys with friend Kim Kardashian. She also tweeted about meeting her childhood crush, Ricky Martin. Eva Longoria and Kim Kardashian getting dressed together, that's like... 
Uh, the two most beautiful, beautiful. Throw JLo in there and I'll be straight. But don't well, you think, um, don't J-Lo's you think your childhood one? we should let Eva in on the secret about Ricky Martin? I think we should. Um, well, if she didn't heard. see him last night with those pants, <laughs> I missed it. What, what were the pants? I didn't see that part of the Grammys. He had a nice little top yeah. and had like the tightest I was gonna say. silver pants with no drawers underneath. How did you know? Because you could tell. He was born this way. <laughs> With no draw, draws? Oh, he draws. Had, yes, he had the fruit of the loom all to the left side of his pants. Interesting. Wow. Yes. Well, uh, to get the full fashion report, listen to DJ Jesse host our Grammys. Uh, of course, that, that already happened, but our, you know it's archived, so uh, go and download it. Absolutely. Well, Felicity Huffman, who is known to be one of the more open and honest actresses on the show, recently was asked if being famous was everything she expected. To which she responded, um, yes, it's not the fame that's wonderful, but the work. Being able to work, I mean, I get to work and do a little one-act play every eight days, which is great. I spent years not working, so and it was very sweet to me, and I truly enjoyed it. I also have a part that I don't get recognized, so I don't get followed around like some of my castmates. I have both. I get my cake and eat it, too. Who do you think's followed around the most? Longoria? Yeah, yeah, probably. Followed by probably Terry. By the way, that is the point of cake. First yeah, off, I hate I that expression. I know, I know. I'm with you on that one. Jesus. That it's overused? Is that your point? No, no the point is that you're cake supposed to. can't eat it. Yeah. What is that? Who can't eat their cake? No, but... Why would you have cake if you couldn't eat it? Sorry, I just. Lost the whole it saying is like you can't have your cake and eat it too. But you should be. Why, Why not? Why would you have cake if you couldn't eat it? No, because the whole point is, like, you, you can't physically, like, okay, this Valentine's candy I have in front of me, I can't have it in my hand if I choose to eat it. So have, this joy oh of, of looking at this sparkly package, oh my God. that's what it means. Like, you, by have, you can't possess the cake. Do you know how many nights sleep I have lost right? over this night? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Actually, I don't want to make you feel bad. I'm glad I could break it down for you. But that's what it means. Like, you can't physically have it if you're going to eat it. I love you. I love you more. Be my Valentine. I'm yours, baby. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Well, Marsha <laughs> Cross, once again, is spotted being a great mother and always making time for her twin daughters, Eden and Savannah. This week, she took them shopping to get ice cream and spent hours perfecting her garden with them. Those are two very lucky two-and-a-half-year-old girls. That's adorable. And I they're very cute. <clears throat> it's like, you know, in People Magazine. I literally just vomited. <laughs> you know, People Magazine, they do. Celebrities are just like you. And then there's a picture of the celebrity staining something on their shirt. And the picture, well, that's what this is like, you know. They were gardening. That's adorable. I'm kidding. It's totally adorable. If you are into that lame kind of lifestyle. <laughs> if you like redheaded children. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that's your AfterBuzz TV Desperate Housewives news and gossip for the week of February 14, 2011. Happy Valentine's Day. All right. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you out there. We hope you're listening, cuddled up there at home on the couch with that special someone, maybe Marsha Cross's redheaded children. Maybe you're their babysitter <laughs> while Marsha's out on the town. Um, this has really been a fun creepy. show, but before we go, let's talk about some predictions. And now... You're after Buzz TV. Predictions. I love these sound effects. Jesse, you are so good at putting these in at just the right time. Love it. He is good. That's why he's a DJ. He's very good. And, and he's, he hasn't been here that long either. Catching on quick, Jess. So we saw the little tease at the end of the show for next week's Desperate Housewives episode. Uh, we've already talked about the shot of Susan collapsing on the ground in that blue dress and Vanessa Williams yelling, 
Call 911. So um, let's talk about predictions. Do we, do we just want to keep it general or do we want to talk about specific storylines one by one? What do you think, Phil? Well, I mean, uh, f- we're definitely going to see a little bit more of the development of uh, Paul, Mike, and Zach. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. We'll probably get like three minutes total, but it'll be something epic. Um, and then, I don't know. I, well, I, I got a couple of specifics over here. All right. So we see Susan get a warning, and we see her using her disease and being late for her dialysis appointment to get out of a ticket. Uh, in my opinion, completely legitimate. When you have lemons, you make lemonade. If you can get out of a traffic ticket anytime, you do it. it. Uh Uh-huh, 100%. Done it before. Pulled a million different cards. I don't care what I have to say. You didn't pull the dialysis card. No, no, no. I... One time my mom was in the car. I'm, I'm taking her to her doctor's appointment. Look at her. This My mom started crying. I don't know what's wrong with me. You have to take me. Yeah, we got out of that ticket pretty quick. And my car hadn't been registered in the state of Massachusetts for about a year and a half. So that was a tricky one. It really worked, though. Wow. Uh, anyway. Wow. Good anyway, for your mom, too. I guess. I guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, huh? I, I can't that's, tell a that's a compliment. That's a total compliment. Yeah, my mom's a great lady, okay? If she You're can right. cry on command, she should be on Desperate Housewives. That is true. So we got to get her to call in more on the show again. I know. We miss her. Maybe I'll have her call in for Gossip Girl later or something. Anyway, though, okay, we see Gabby, the supermodel. Everybody yeah. coming up to her. She's a new celebrity. Uh, I don't really know how she got to that. Maybe something. Dream sequence? You know, I think that maybe she talks about her past and now everybody looks at her as this role model. But, you know, there was that scene with a woman in the diner came up to her and said, we named our nacho plate after you. I think she's going somewhere. I don't think that's in Wisteria Lane. I think she, like, goes somewhere and it's, like, brought up. Maybe she goes home. To hometown. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, maybe she confronts her stepfather. That could be it. Right. Who molested her. Send her back. Find the town where. I think you may be right, Sarah. Uh, Oh, and lastly, I I wrote down that Lynette kicked someone out or something. I don't know. The it kids. looked like she was kicking the kids out, the boys. Because they're spending too much money of the, of of the, the mothers. Grandmas. Money is wow. evil. Well, the thing is, we always talk way too long. This is our cue, this music, to take us out. We hope you guys had as much fun as we did tonight here on this lovely Valentine's Day. And, of course, tune in to next week's show where we will be dissecting our Desperate Housewives episode. And um, Remember, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. <laughs> Now now that we all know what that means, hopefully next week we can dispel a few more myths and explain a few more uh, tricks of the trade. So y'all have a great night. We will see you back here and hear you back here next week. For producers Kevin Undergaro and Phil Svitek, engineer DJ Jesse Janity, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in to the AfterBuzz TV network. If you have questions, comments, or would like to host an AfterBuzz show of your own, be sure to buzz us at info at AfterBuzzTV.com. And you can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter by searching for AfterBuzzTV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzzTV or its owners or principals. 